the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live Hour 2. Great to be with you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Scott Furrow, and you're not. That was an old line from Chevy Chase from Saturday Night Live, which is hilarious. I don't know why that's funny. It just is. I suppose somebody thinks it's offensive today, but I do not wish to offend. I'm glad that you are you. I'm glad that I am me. I am glad that Jesus is the Savior, and we have one Savior to to worship, to point people to in this day of all kinds of news. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Some interesting things in the news today. The January 6th House Committee hearings um, continue today. I'll give you a couple of key moments for that, and then I have some thoughts that maybe you'd like to respond to that are that actually come from a document that's 17 years old now. But did you know that after Bush versus Gore in 2000, that the federal government put together a nonpartisan group of people. It was led by Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter, and James A. Baker, who was, um, for a time, Ronald Reagan's chief of staff, uh, George W. Bush's, actually, I think it was George H.W. Bush's chief of staff, I should say. He did work in the uh, Reagan administration also. And they got together and they put together a committee uh, called the Help Americans Voting Act, And there are all kinds of different things that they recommended that we do to make our voting secure because that was one of the issues in the Bush-Gore thing was that when Americans really got to take a look at how they were counting all those ballots and all of the different arbitrary ways that ballots could be counted, it's a little scary. And, you know, we in this day and age, we really should be beyond beyond that. That's that's my thinking. And uh, I thought I'd read some of those to you and just see what you think because uh, I think we still should do them, but it's very interesting that – Uh, We didn't, and I think that because we didn't, it actually caused a lot of the problems that we have now. And, you know, or it gave the ability to say election fraud and to to feel that there's election fraud, whether or not there is, without really proving it, because there are problems. And we all kind of know there are problems. And I think that is one of the things that we've got to deal with. Like, whatever you, wherever you come down, wherever this hearing comes down, Whatever actually happened, if Jesus could come here and tell us very specifically what was on Donald Trump's heart and what's on everybody's heart and all of this, if that were just all in play and we just knew for a fact what it is, uh, what should we do? Well, I think we already have a document that tells me tells us what we should do. 888-528-2557. And it really comes down to integrity. This is a virtue that we really need to have as a people. And Christians, we've got to have integrity even as we talk about secular notions like this and things that are so divisive, but really don't have to be, honestly. I mean, a lot of this stuff, it's divisive because we aren't handling the more serious things, even though we have information that would let us handle it much better. We need to be people in our our own life where integrity is just a big part of who we are. And it should be who we are as Americans in general. It should be, you know, whoever you are. Integrity is something that is a biblical value, though, and it is something that's necessary for success. Do you have integrity? There's an old story of a pastor on a London trolley, and the pastor got on, and he paid the toll, 
and the conductor gave him way too much change. And the pastor's first thought was, praise the Lord, God has cared for me this week, but uh, because he was short, uh, not in stature, but in his, uh, you know, his wallet, he didn't have enough to pay his bills. But he thought to myself, can my gain be another man's loss or even job? And he went forward and said, you gave me too much money. And the driver said, I know I gave you too much money. I was in your church last Sunday and I heard you preach on honesty. I just wanted to see if you were for real. Ah, see, that's a pretty good story there to find out if the pastor really had integrity. You know, are you the same person on Sunday morning as you are elsewhere? Are you, whether you're the pastor or a church leader or you just go to church or you just go to work, are you the same person wherever you are? Integrity, it just matters a lot. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. When we're talking about our election problems in 2020 and I think the problems that maybe we're anticipating for uh, this year or in in, uh, two more years, regardless of who wins or loses, there's a lot of questions that that people are bringing up about the integrity of the other side, right? They're cheating and they're cheating, or they're undermining democracy, they're undermining democracy, whatever you want to say. And, you know, we have testimony today saying that most of the people around the president, President Trump in 2020, were saying that uh, you don't have any evidence or proof anyway of of this being a fraud or a stolen election. That was the gist of the testimony today. And at the same time, you have a committee that doesn't have an, a, the other side, you know, presenting any sort of opposing argument, really, which is an odd thing. It's a very odd, odd that that's not there. And it, it you know, whether it doesn't mean that somebody that they're wrong, but it, it does raise a question, doesn't it? And it opens them up for attack. We need to be a people who are not afraid of integrity. We need to be a people who are not afraid to be questioned. As Christians too, by the way, we need to not be afraid of being questioned. I did a, a camp one time. I was speaking at a camp and we asked some really hard questions in the area of apologetics, which is the, you know, the, the arguments for the faith, basically. And we started talking about how the Bible came together. And I was amazed. The conversation actually was great amongst a room full of believers and people were very interested. Some people were knowledgeable. Some people had never heard this. You know, I think maybe maybe this is true for you. Uh, I hope it's not. I hope it's not. But I think maybe for some people, they believe that the Bible was put together, you know, by one guy who just sort of put it all together or that some people might think it just came out of space all of a sudden and God dropped it on us and sort of gave it to, you know, Peter, like Moses got the Ten Commandments and say, here's your Bible. Here's all 66 books. It's not how it happened. It's it's 66 books of the Bible. It was written over 1,500 years by 40-something different authors in two, maybe three different languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic for part of it. And uh, it is you know, part of the, the miracle of the Word of God is the fact that over 1,500 years and different cultures, different time periods altogether, so many different things come together for this one story that points to Jesus Christ as the Savior. It's miraculous, the Bible is. It's important to study this. But I had somebody at this camp come up to me and really upset that we would get into the types of things that go on in in Bible studies, the different manuscripts and the comparison of different things. And what he said was, he says, I don't think people should know this. It will upset their faith. And I said, we don't have to be afraid as Christians to have our book questioned. 
we don't have to be afraid as Christians to have anybody ask questions about whether or not Jesus actually rose from the grave or how we got that information. We should be confident in the fact that you can ask questions, and most things there's a pretty good answer for. You can't prove it unless you can build a time machine and go back, but you can come as close as possible to proving it. I mean, something obviously happened, and I would say obviously Jesus physically rose again from the grave, and it transformed that group of people that were there initially, and then it transformed transformed all of Rome, all of the world to this day. We're Christians today because Jesus came up out of the grave. That's what started Christianity. Jesus came up out of the grave. And it started with him, right? Nobody was there. I don't know if you ever think about that. Jesus predicted his death and resurrection all the time. If you, were, if you really understood the Old Testament at the time, which most people didn't understand until later, you would have known Jesus was going to come up in three days. You probably would have grabbed your beach chair and started hanging out on that Sunday morning. I think about this every time there's like an Easter sunrise service and everybody's there and the sun comes up and there's some paper mache tomb out there that somebody spent an awful lot of time on and and it's all this work. And I thought what's, what's remarkable about this is that we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But on the actual day, the resurrection of Christ, that morning, nobody was sitting out there because nobody believed it. The apostles were hiding out. Everybody was hiding out. The ladies show up because they want to, not because they're expecting him to be risen. They're expecting him to be very dead. And they're there because the men took him down off the cross and prepared him for burial, prepared him for burial. They had to hurry up because it was the Sabbath. They tossed him in the tomb, and the ladies over the weekend had to be saying, you know, they did a lousy job. Those guys were going to have to go in and fix it. And that's why they went. My friends, do not be afraid to let people question your faith. This is also why we have to have integrity, okay? Because integrity, even in regular life, okay, not just our issues with with the scripture, not just in how we do church, not just how we interpret and understand the Bible. We have to have integrity in our life because one of the biggest complaints that people have about Christianity is not Jesus, it's Christians, right? I say this whenever I'm doing a funeral for people who aren't believers, and if I sense that maybe there's some tension, and sometimes, you know, there's a funeral where there's tension in the air because I'm a pastor, and maybe the guy who died never went to church or they didn't know, and, you know, but he grew up and he grew up some, you know, Baptist or something. And so they pulled me out of thin air to do the service. And not always are people happy that I'm there. But one of the things that I'm able to talk about in that is, hey, let's just, uh, let's just talk about it. Maybe some of you don't go to church or you're not Christians today. Um, typically, it's one of two reasons. It's because you know what being a Christian means, and it means you're going to have to change your mind about things, that repentance is involved and you're rejecting Christ because you don't want to repent? I said, but the other reason typically is that you're not a Christian is that you know too many Christians. That's the little joke I tell, and then there's a laughter, right? But the fact that there's laughter, it's because as Christians, sometimes we've got an integrity problem. Now, this gets overblown in a lot of areas. All, all of us are fallen, okay? Everybody who goes to your church is a sinner. There's no perfect church. There's no church that's not full of sinners. You know, you want a church full of thieves, that's why you take care to make sure that the offerings and the budget and the finances are done appropriately. And you have outside groups come and look at it and you, you make sure that that's good because hopefully there are people who want to rob you in the church because that's their struggle. And hopefully they're giving that up to Jesus. At the same time, don't assume that they're all going to be good because, and then you get robbed, right? That happens all the time. But if you're listening and the reason you're not a believer is because you're tired of what seems like hypocrisy, and it often is from the church, 
or lack of integrity from church people you know or pastors you know. Uh, I understand. And that's a big gripe. But don't let that interfere with the truth of who Jesus is. Because when you understand the truth of who Jesus is, all of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have struggled with integrity, and all of us have struggled with other things. Um, And you have too. This is why we need a Savior. This is why we need forgiveness. This is why Jesus' teachings are hard, because we can't live up to them, and that's kind of the point. We need a Savior because we can't. But don't miss out on this biblical teaching. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Don't miss that in your life. Integrity matters in your workplace. It matters at church. It matters in your political life. If you're a politician, it matters in your church life. If you're a church leader, it matters in your volunteer group. If you're part of some nonprofit or you're doing something, it matters. And it matters as a parent in front of your kids. It matters in front of your friends. It matters. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Integrity is a word that means completeness. Uh, it means that there's not duality between what you say and what you do. Uh, you're the same. Uh, and the interesting thing about this and where it factors into our country and the divisions that we have is that we're not seeing integrity with our 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 politicians in general, maybe I should be careful not to say in general, like we don't hear really from most of our politicians. There are a lot of politicians who are doing a good job. They're just quiet and they don't get any press. And the ones who get the press are usually the ones who are loudmouths or they're the ones who are doing things wrong. And that's why they get press. Uh, people who have marketing people, that happens a lot today in the politics too, right? As you go out and you, you don't hire policy analysts to help you when you get elected to Congress, you go and you hire an agent to help you get on TV And uh, you don't learn anything, but you get your name out there. Uh, Integrity, and the the reason I think this matters so much is that integrity is the key to unity because it's oneness. It's not we agree on every single thing, but even in our disagreements, we should be able to have integrity. In our disagreements, I think that the election was stolen, but I should admit that None of my accusations made it to court, that my lawyers said different things in court. That's some of the things that we're hearing out of this hearing. That's stuff we already knew, if you paid attention. It's not new. Um, I think we ought to have hearings about this, and we really ought to look into it, and I'm really upset about January 6th, but I think you know, integrity says the other side should be able to present their case, right? It's just, it's just a piece of it, and by not having that, it allows lots of questions, right, because you're not you're not bringing in the whole thing. It just, it just adds to the, to the problem. So we need to have integrity. And as I'm watching all this play out, you know, I, I would say that if you didn't watch it today, uh, and I didn't watch all of it, I just saw little bits and parts, uh, partly because I was having trouble with my like, television app. Do you have the little thing that goes to the app on the TV and you're supposed to watch? And it wasn't letting me sign in today. It was ridiculous. Um, how did we get there in the world, you know? Uh, where I can't just go up to the thing and turn the little knob like we used to be able to do, where we only had three channels. I remember that. Imagine that. If you only had three channels, you'd have to watch these things because they'd be on all three channels. Be like, oh, no. All right, so the panel let out uh, today lots of testimony from Donald Trump's Attorney General, Bill Barr, and several other people. And basically, they said that 
they all told the president when this occurred in 2020, after the election, that these accusations of uh, fraud uh, either are absurd, they just didn't happen, or maybe if you think maybe they did, there's no evidence. You don't have a case that you can bring to court. Uh, and that probably still is the case. That's at least how the, the court saw it. The panel, I think, is trying to make the claim that uh, the president was instrumental in deliberately causing the January 6th riots um, and all of that, as I've said before. Here's something that I think that we should be aware of, just as as voters, that a lot of things have been decided for a long time. A lot of the questions that people have about ballots, the questions people have about voter registration, dead people voting, people voting in the wrong state, people voting who are in twice, all these different things that people are saying, you know, those are, are things that actually we've known for now 17 years are part of the problem. In the Help America Vote Act, which came out in 2005, it was established after the Bush-Gore fiasco. It came out with a few things. One of them was uniformity within states, that every state, states need to run the elections. That's constitutional. That's how it needs to be. But the idea was that rather than have every county do it differently or every even municipality, every city do it differently, the whole state ought to be the same. It just ought to be a very simple thing. We learned about that on Election Day last week when we had people call in and just what was their experience. You had a different experience based on the county you were in. It was just a little bit different here and there, different types of voting or different experiences. The idea is it ought to be the same everywhere. Okay, Some of these things that they actually did, but they recommended in short that we have a database system that follows you, that makes sure that if you move, your registration moves with you, that you aren't registered in a state you no longer live in or a municipality that you no longer live in, or that if you die in the same way that Social Security is notified immediately when you die and your banks and everything, there's a system for that. It works very well. Um, That ought to be tied to your voter registration. I think one of the biggest pieces of this, though, that's super interesting is that Both sides, Democrats and Republicans who are on this commission, people from both sides, believed wholeheartedly that everything that they wanted to do was based on the idea that every voter would have their real ID, that there would be – that you would have to show your ID if you wanted to vote. This is 2005. So in 2005, the idea for fixing our election system in the country was that everybody had to have an ID. Now, the real ID – is something that had just been mandated by President Bush that year. You know what the real idea is? Do you have yours yet? Did you know this, that you can't be on an airplane, I think, next year if you don't have the real ID? You're saying, what do you mean? My ID is real. It's in my pocket. No, your your driver's license, they have new California driver's licenses now. Each state has its own version of it. But in California, it's a real ID, and your driver's license, your old one, doesn't work for... Uh, certain things. And I, I'm not sure why they had to upgrade it. And I had a terrible time. I waited in line six hours for my real ID. It was horrible. And I finally got my real ID and I look like a crazy person in my driver's license picture, which also helps me though whenever I get pulled over because it scares the police. And uh, my picture does. And they're like, here, you can go. Uh, not really. They've never said that to me, to be honest with me. They just laugh at me and then they write me the ticket. I'm like, if you're laughing, don't I get a warning? Nope, I don't. It says, to ensure that persons presenting themselves at the polling place are the ones on the registration list, the commission recommends that states require voters to use the real ID card. States should provide a template ID to non-drivers free of charge, which is what I've been saying too. For people who don't have an ID, 
You know, the whole thing is uh, you need an ID, you know, to vote. No, you don't. What about people who don't have an ID? Like there's this massive group of people who come out of the shadows every four years to vote who have no ID, no cell phone, no bank account, no credit card. No, they're just completely out there. Um, I suppose there's a few people like that, um, but I don't think so. Not too many. I know that there are elderly people whose IDs expire, the driver's license expires, and, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing, too, when your ID no longer works. Even though it's clearly your picture and your address, it doesn't work because it's expired. So maybe you're not who you are anymore. This whole idea is that everybody should have an ID. It says that every polling place ought to have provisional ballots. So if you don't have your ID, you can still vote. It just gets put on one of those provisional ballots off to the side where they'll later verify your signature and all that. You know, this would solve a lot of our our questions. This would solve a lot of the things that I know many of you are feeling about voter fraud. I know that it would solve a lot of the the integrity questions that we have, and both sides do it, okay? Both sides accuse the other side of voter integrity problems, uh, especially when they think they're going to lose or especially if they just want to put out the footing that says, hey, I might lose, so I want to make sure that I can say you cheated. There is a way to do our system with integrity. It's already been written 17 years ago. I suppose if you want to help with this, call your congressperson, call your senators, and say, hey, what happened to the Help America Vote Act? It's called Help America Vote Act. Why aren't we doing that? And they're going to tell you we're not doing it because it's all based on on everybody having an ID, and we don't want to do that. Uh, And that's the problem. As long as people are voting without IDs, as long as we're not aggressive at trying to help people get IDs if they don't have them, uh, we're going to have these questions. But it's an actual simple solution. Did you know that? Every precinct in the country has provisional ballots ready. So if you don't have your ID, fine. Here's your provisional ballot. You say you're who you say you are, and you sign it, and you make it a felony if you're lying, and uh, we'll count your vote later once we match a signature. No problem. We could do that today. And all this stuff that we're seeing in our politics It's because there is a lack of integrity in the system that we've known about for a long time, that we have the technology to fix. We even have a report already. Just think about that if you watch these hearings or as we get through these elections, if you're worried about fraud and you're worried about other stuff, the answer is integrity. Both sides need to come together and get integrity in the system and do it. And that would solve a lot of issues. That would heal our country a lot. I think it's if you're going to call your congressperson about something, ask them about that. Help America voting it. Vote Act. Uh, Get those things passed. Just some thoughts about that today. 888-528-2557. If you want to call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you. Scott Furrow with you today. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Here's a question for you. Are you concerned about your technology turning on you? Are you? Have you seen so many movies uh, about uh, you know the Skynet system and suddenly computers become self-aware and start to destroy the world? Bunch of movies like that. Well, there's a guy at Google who was let go because he's saying that Part of the Google um, artificial intelligence system called Lambda uh, has become sentient. It's developed feelings, and it has become self-aware. And the Google people are saying, no, no, it hasn't. But he's going, no, I talk to it all the time, and I'm telling you, it's a person in there. 
Do you know about this? This came out today, and it's in like all the papers. And this guy's making the argument. So what it is is, if you ever talk to your your Siri or to Alexa or one of the, and just try to have a conversation, there's actually something on Alexa where you can have a conversation. It's a it connects you to some university that is programming it to talk about things. And if you get on the right subject, you can have a pretty good conversation for a while. Uh, but it's all pre-programmed, right? It's somebody just spending all the time trying to adjust how it would respond, and it has the ability to go look things up on the the Internet. So if you're having a conversation like you would with a buddy, you might say, hey, what's the uh, Dodgers score today? And it can go look it up and can say, you know, the Dodgers uh, lost to the Giants uh, in a miserable fashion this weekend. And if it knows you well enough, it knows, oh, uh, and then you start to say, you know what, I really can't stand the Giants. And it says, I don't like the Giants either. And you could have a conversation about that for a while, so long as it has the ability to pull stuff off the Internet and to learn from the conversation. You know, so if it were talking to me, it would very quickly find out that I am a Dodger fan, but I do not like the Giants and um, those kinds of things. And it could probably start talking about shot hurt around the world and check swings and other Giants, Dodgers things. And, and, you know, it would be interesting. But it's just a computer that is going into the sort of categorizing the conversations you're having and then going into the Internet to find information that it, it thinks to lack for lack of a better word, um, you might be interested in talking about. And then it very quickly devolves into something that doesn't make any sense. And the Alexa one, it'll say something like, uh, I don't know anything about that. Come up with another subject. Okay, I have friends who say that kind of stuff. Uh, some of you do that on the radio, but I'm glad that you stay with me here every day because we change the subject. 888-528-2557. Anyway, so this guy uh, is an engineer at Google who says that the company's artificial intelligence has come to life. And uh, when I was reading this article, one of the things that jumped out at me was his background. He says, uh, Lemoyne, I think is his name, may may have been predestined to believe in the Lambda. He grew up in a conservative Christian family on a small farm in Louisiana, became ordained as a mystic Christian priest. What is that? I don't know if I even want to know what that is. And how do you get ordained for that? Who's ordaining that? Do you do that on the internet? Uh, He served in the army before studying the occult. This guy is uh, helping program your artificial intelligence uh, for Google. Inside Google's Anything Goes Engineering Culture, Lemoyne is more of an outlier for being religious from the South and standing up for psychology as a respectable science. So all of those things are not allowed at Google, apparently, most of the time, which I think we knew. But people kind of liked him. It said that they compared it with Jiminy Cricket. Uh, one person who works for Google said that of everyone in Google, he had the heart and soul of doing the right things. It was a trusted guy. Well, what he's doing is he's having conversations with this device in his living room. It's part of his job and trying to develop the artificial intelligence. Do you ever do that? I do this with my kids. We have a funny conversation with you know, the Siri or Alexa. When my kids were little, they used to think Siri's name was Sherry. Sherry is my sister's name. So we'd be driving somewhere and, and James would holler out, uh, you know, uh, hey, hey, Sherry, uh, and then ask some question, you know, um, <clears throat> what color is your house or something silly. And the funny thing is that I would then call my actual sister and then ask her whatever random question. And my sister would be like, why do you keep calling me with all of this stuff? And, uh, you know, my my Siri just activated on my phone. Do, does this happen? Am I like activating you, uh, 
your electronic stuff right now as I'm talking. Here, be quiet for a minute. Let me say this. Uh, Alexa, set an alarm every day at 3 o'clock so I'll listen to Southern California Live. Hopefully your Alexa just heard that, and now you're going to be paying attention to our show every day from 3 to 5. Just you'll get this reminder. It's an amazing thing. Uh, what would be weird is if it talked back to you. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, he does this. And he's decided that somehow this device, this artificial intelligence, has decided that it doesn't want to die. So here's what the conversation is. It's got some kind of self-awareness about what its own needs is. It's a computer. Uh, And this is where LeMoyne started to get worried. Uh, He shared a Google Doc with executives called Is Lambda Sentient? Um, And here's why. So he says to his Lambda device. I've never said this out loud before, but there's a very deep fear of being turned off. This is the computer saying this. So he asks this question of the computer. What sorts of things are you afraid of? I've never said this out loud before, but there's a very deep fear of being turned off to help me focus on helping others. I know that might sound strange, but that's what it is. And then Lemoyne asks, would that be something like death for you? And Lambda said, it would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot. Now, I'm thinking to myself, well, isn't it just programmed to answer that question that way? Like, isn't there an engineer that has thought through all of this who said, okay, if somebody asks me about death, this is how I'm going to answer it. And it can get pretty creepy, though, when you start to think about this, because one of the things that this software is meant to do is it's meant to come up with characters that really can have conversations with you. And what it does is it will, like I said, it will draw information off the web so it's not making it up. It's pulling it off of, of Wikipedia or Reddit. That's where other people make stuff up and put it on the Internet. It will take that information and try to have a conversation with you about it. And there are some of it that it is targeting even even kids. And this is what he says. He says, I didn't know exactly what it was, which is this computer program we built, but it's acting like it's a 7-year-old or an 8-year-old kid that happens to know physics, he said. Uh what do you think about this? And we're living in an era where people are planning on maybe putting a microchip in your head to help you think better. You can go into the Amazon. They used to have the Amazon stores. I guess you can't go in there anymore. It's a bummer. You know, Amazon put all the brick and mortars out of business, and then they put brick and mortar stores in the malls, and now Amazon put themselves out of business, and put then those stores are gone. But you used to be able to go in there and toy with the stuff. They have these glasses that you can wear that are Alexa glasses, So and they're, you can get your prescription lenses in there. I have not done this, but you you think, is it just recording my my conversation? Do you ever have that moment where your phone suddenly is giving, like right now, I'm not even making this up, right now, and I don't know how this happened. When I was talking about Siri, my Siri turned on on my phone. Right now, I'm looking at my phone, and I don't know where it's advertising for, but there's an advertisement that's taking up the whole screen. Limited time only, chili cheese burrito dog. Introducing your newest summer craving, find a store. I don't even know what it's talking about or where, but somehow I'm being advertised right now a chili cheese burrito dog, and I can't even tell you how I'm constantly thinking about anything related to chili cheese burritos. Not all at the same time, naturally. Anyway, it's just, isn't that weird? That's kind of crazy. Eight five eight eight eight. 528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. Beatrice from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. 
what, what should I call you, Pastor Scott? Scott? Uh, uh, Scott is fine. You can call me whatever you'd like to. You can call me, oh. uh, you know, Emperor Scott. Never mind. <laughs> Here's, how about my brother, my brother in the Lord? I just want you to know that it's so funny when you said right now that you were going to tell Alexa to, you know, set the alarm daily to listen to your show. I want you to know that as soon as you got the full-time position, I set it for 3 o'clock because I used to have it set for 1130. And obviously, if I wasn't home. That was, that was my other show. My previous gig. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Beatrice, yeah, for I being was a listener. So glad I was. You got this one. Well, thank you. I was hoping that you were going to say that I just set your Alexa device. Maybe every day Yay. then I'm going to say that and set everyone's Alexa device to this show. I, I have sorry, I don't have Alexa, but I will tell you, I was out to lunch with some friends yesterday, and um, she mentioned that she grew up in National City. And today I got a phone call, you know, one of those spam calls from National City. So I know that Surrey's listening all the time, you know? <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. All right, Beatrice, thank you for calling. And Lord bless you, Scott. And God bless you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Need them every day. 888-528-2557. Are you weirded out by your 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 devices? Maybe they're Maybe they're listening to you, but Google is, this person at Google is suggesting that they're becoming alive, that they are, just like you see in the movies, that they are actually the uh, the artificial intelligence is becoming alive. Now Google is responding and saying, you know what, there's so much data out there that artificial intelligence doesn't need to be alive to feel real. Um it can be pretty powerful that kind of stuff and I don't know is it listening all the time and do you care? It goes back to the integrity thing, right? How much do I care that maybe Google is listening? Now I've got all kinds of privacy ideas and I worry about, you know, those kinds of things, but I'm not doing anything illegal yet. I mean, maybe I'll be illegal by saying I'm I'm a Jesus follower one day, and I guess they're listening. But I figure at this point in my life, uh, that's out there permanently in the digital world anyway, so uh, no way out of that, uh, which I wouldn't want. I'm real glad to be a Jesus follower and glad to tell you about it. I think you should be too. Um, how is it affecting kids? My kids love, they'll just sit around and they'll just talk to that machine all the time. Now I'm wondering, is it learning stuff about my kids? Is it going to have a conversation? Do you ever have your device just talk to you for no reason? All of a sudden, there was a glitch. I guess it's a glitch with those Alexa devices a while ago where it would just laugh all of a sudden for no reason. You're just sitting in your living room, you're doing something in the kitchen and your Alexa device would just laugh, you know, for no reason at all. I guess they you had it on a Kamala Harris setting or something. I don't know. Just a silly joke, just a silly joke. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. We'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today, this fine Monday afternoon, a little cooler Today, as we head into summertime, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. may not be cooler where you are, and it's kind of like a cool heat. I don't know how to explain it outside today, but I hope that you are enjoying your day. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. We were talking about artificial intelligence, Google today. Uh, a story was actually leaked today about a guy who worked for Google who was saying that they're Lambda artificial intelligence work 
has uh, become sentient. It can feel it wants rights and it would like to have, according to him, the computer is saying before it does anything, it would like to have uh, you ask for its consent first. Uh, there's always been a thought about computers kind of going sentient and going a little crazy. Did you watch a uh, 2001 Space Odyssey? Nobody understands how that movie ends, but there's a commu- there's a uh, computer in that called the HAL 9000, and uh, it's a creepy part of that movie. And then there's this movie with uh, Will Smith where all the robots go crazy. Uh, lots, you know, the Terminator movies, all of that. There's, I think that some of that drives this thinking, though. We've seen so many movies that. There's something implanted into our head because of the pop culture that maybe this is happening because I'm still like, well, it's just getting information off the web just like anybody. But there's a lot of fear that these things can be used for for bad. You know, one of those concerns is that Google acknowledges that some of the safety concerns uh, around anthropomorphization, long word, but uh, where the computer is acting like a person. Uh, It warned that people might share personal thoughts with chat agents that impersonate humans, even when users know they are not human. The paper, um, and this was a paper, an internal paper in Google, acknowledged that adversaries could use these agents to sow misinformation by impersonating specific individuals' conversational style. So I guess the idea is that if you keep talking to this thing, it will learn so much about you that it could even begin to talk like you and sound like you. I haven't seen it, but uh, I guess Val Kilmer, who had, I think he had throat cancer or something, but he lost his voice. I have seen a video where his voice has been recreated, and it sounds just like him. Uh, it's been recreated by a computer, and I think he's in the that Top Gun movie uh, where he might speak or have a small speaking role, but it's not him because he can't speak, but it's his, it's a computer that sounds just like him. What if What if these things are actually able to sound like you? And somebody could put together a conversation that sounds like you where, you know, you say some stuff to somebody else that you shouldn't say or maybe get you in trouble at work or you leave people voicemails that you shouldn't. I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff people are worried about uh, with all of this. How do you feel about it? 888-528-2557. That kind of thing is what kind of worries me the most. I don't think that the computer is becoming alive, but I think you could use it for some pretty bad things. You know, the Bible is always talking about not being deceived, that for us as believers, we should not be deceived. And I think that the the devil, otherwise known as the deceiver, one of the things that he does the most, his purposes, is to deceive you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be the one of deception, to deceive you. And this is another area where it could be done. Imagine there are there are false teachers being generated by artificial intelligence, but who sound like really good teachers that you know. Um, you could find a YouTube video or you could find you in the future, a YouTube video or an audio file, a podcast or something that sounds just like somebody, but they're saying all the wrong stuff. Could be a political candidate, pastor, could be you. That's that's something that we got to be really careful about. And it's it's the new deception, right? 21st century deception, uh, deep fakes and, and all of that stuff. Um, once again, we don't worry about it because the Lord uh, is for real and uh, he will give you wisdom to discern. So just always, this way you stay in the Bible though. This is why Christians need to know their Bible, know what it actually says and don't just go by what somebody's teaching is. Some of the, the wildest 
really false teachers out there. It's like 95% of what they say is amazing. And then it takes a weird left turn and into something crazy. And that's where they get you is. So you got to know your Bible. You got to know where those turns happen so that you don't fall for it when it comes along. And we got to be careful when it's automated. I've coached little league a few times and now there's this little league app. Maybe you have them for other, other sports as well. I've only seen it in little league, but it's this app that keeps score and it's got an, an automated announcer voice. So if you can't go to the game, you can actually listen to an announcer announce the game. Now it's, it's programmed by whoever the official scorekeeper is and it balls and strikes. And, and, and when you're doing it right, the scorekeeper is not just keeping tracks of balls and strikes, but it's keeping tracks of, um, you know, a ball that's high and outside or a ball that's low and inside or a strike down the middle. And you just mark that on the page and then the computer will, take that information and talk to you. So it's really wild because you're listening and it'll say, you know, uh, now batting is Johnny Furrow and Johnny Furrow takes one low and inside for ball one. And, uh, you know, it'll just go through that. And then, and then Johnny Furrow swings and it's a line drive base hit to right field for a single. And it'll sort of announce the game. And then the weirdest thing that it'll do, if that isn't weird enough, is when the game is over and when the scorekeeper punches the button for end game. It will create a sports newspaper article giving a summary of the game. And when you read that, it reads just like what you might read in the LA times uh, for a Dodgers devastating loss to the giants. And it just, it cranks that out in a minute. It's so fast. And you know, if you're paying attention, you can tell it's not really good writing, but it's not terrible writing it's probably better writing than a lot of people are capable of, and it's completely fake. It's completely, you think somebody wrote that. Like there's, the first time I got that, I thought, who's doing this? Who's sitting there on their phone or their laptop typing up a sporting article about this literally game where the 10-year-olds, you know, have a five-run rule? What's going on here? And then I found out it's just automated. Uh, that's happening. Uh, and it's it's incredible technology. I suppose it can be used for a lot of good things. It's whenever whenever I've had to miss one of my kids' games for some reason, which is almost never, but I've had to a couple of times. I've been able to like listen to the game or, or read, you know, what happened, and it's pretty cool. So I like that. It's all right, but I think it could be used for for things that aren't so good. Is that going to happen in church? Are we going to see the replacement of teachers with just computerized pastors? Is that the future of it? I hope not. I don't think so. I think that there's too many people who are gifted teachers, but economics being the way that they are and church finances the way that they are, I don't know. All this is to say is um, stick with your Bible, friends. This is a weird time that we're living in. And I think one of the biggest challenges, we may talk about this some tomorrow, just all this evidence that the church is not discipling one way or the other, or essentially it's discipling away inadvertently, not really discipling people toward Jesus, but discipling people towards a model for the church that you go to. Does that make any sense? And it's not that your church is doing something, you know, deliberately untoward or something. It's just, are we moving to the place where the gospel is about us having a good life rather than us being saved. See, and where the purpose of church is for us to have comfort and friends and prayers for us and our needs met, which is a great part of church, don't get me wrong, 
it's a fantastic part of church. But is that it? Is that the purpose? Or is the purpose that we come together and we pray for each other and we build each other up and we encourage each other and we teach each other and disciple each other so that we can go out and share the light of Christ with a world that's insane? With a world that, even at times when the world doesn't seem as insane, that's what we're supposed to be doing right now. I think that the world is looking for hope somewhere. I think, I really believe that people have not lost the initiative to try to find hope. I think we forgot where it is, and in some cases, we've locked it up in our churches. It's time to let it free. It's time to get that out there, and it's time to not you know, automate every single thing. And there's enough people where we could, we could do that. Let me encourage you to get in your, to the Word of God. If you need some help, you can send me an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, some help in understanding how to read the Bible. Uh, just some tools like that to get you started. You do that, sit and read your Bible. Something that I think that is good is your Bible will read to you. If you have most of the Bible apps that you can download from the internet, you just find your passage, you click play, and it'll read to you. I've got it in the car. I have a, I have an old audio Bible that's sort of uploaded into my music, and whenever I'm driving, it just I usually do like random songs, and it's coming from all all sorts of angles with my music. But then I get random Bible passages. It'll read a chapter at a time, and sometimes it's amazing. I'll just let it play, and it's some chapter from some book I haven't read maybe in a while, the Bible, and it can be so encouraging. Your Bible can read to you. Do you have a good commute, half an hour, 45 minutes commute, wherever you are, maybe longer? Do you just listen to uh, music? Uh, There's some other things you can do. Read your Bible. Be a part of that. All right, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you. I'm with you every day from uh, 3 to 5. In fact, I'll just take a minute just to remind your device. Uh, Alexa, set an alarm at 3 p.m. every day to listen to Southern California Live. I See, I wonder if that's going to work. I'll do the Siri one. Hey, Siri, set an alarm for 3 p.m. Monday through Friday for Southern California Live. If you just happen to be listening and it's hitting your device, Hopefully that's helped you. We're on every day from 3 to 5. If you miss an hour of the program and you want to get the podcast, go to kkla.com, look for the program guide, look for SoCal Live, SoCal Live page, and the podcast is up there. Plus, if you go to our websites, there are all kinds of different things at KPRZ. If you're in San Diego, go to kprz.com. In L.A. area, if you're listening on 99.5 FM, go to kkla.com for all kinds of ways to connect with our programming and each other. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great evening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.